It's this. After I strayed, I repented. After I came to understand, I beat my chest. I was ashamed and humiliated because I bore the disgrace of my youth. Luke 5, 31 to 32 says this. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who needs a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Last but not least, in the Old Testament, I'm going to bring up is Isaiah, or Isaiah, however you say it, 30, 15a. It says this, this is, what the so- this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. And in the New Testament, Jesus in his great word says this in Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This, this, this evening, we're gonna, I'm going to give you some stems of theology. So walk with me as we kind of go through a little Bible college trivia here. We, in, in, in our time of working through the scriptures, we come up with this thing called biblical theology. Biblical theology is what we grip from the text. We take it from the text and we actually learn from that. Is the next thing called exegetical theology. These big words, right? Exegetical pretty much means this thing where you are taking the text and you're exegeting. You're taking what's in the text out. From that, we then, we then we, and create a systematic theology. A systematic theology is taking the scriptures and taking a whole system and we're going to look through the scriptures as a whole. And as we look through the scriptures, we're going to see that we could build a system from this. After we create our systematic theology, there's something called historical theology. We look back into history and we see that we see what people have said about these topics or these things. Now, out of systematic theology, I must mention this, is something called philosophical theology, and some people go there, some people don't. So we're not going to talk a little bit about that. But after all of these stems of theology, we come down to this last thing called practical theology or applied theology. Well, the reason I bring this up is because after we, we, we build up this case, we have this whole thing where we, we build up all these different theologies based upon biblical theology, exegetical theology, systematic theology, sometimes philosophical theology, historical theology. We then need to put this into practice. Repentance cannot be a thing that we just know in our head and not do it. Repentance is not only a biblical theology that the Bible tells us or exegetical theology that we can derive from the scriptures or a systematic theology that we can put into a system or a philosophical theology that we can put in an idea or is a historical theology that people in old history people talked about it, but it's also a practical theology, something that we should do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, go before me as we look at repentance. God, convict our hearts to let us know that we need repentance. Father, work in our hearts. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. So what is repentance? Let me give you a little history of our text today. I'm going to give you the context of why we got to where we are. So if you know anything, it's about this guy named David. David was named a man after God's own heart. Matter of fact, he, he was pretty much chief man. 
But you, you, you know the story. If you've been in church for a while, I'm sure you hear the story about David and Bathsheba and how David saw the girl on the, on the roof and she, he thought that she was fine and in a split second, his eyes just couldn't be on her any longer without wanting her. So he then go and send for her. Bear in mind, David is a king and scholars have debated if he, he slept with her. Some say he raped her and that's your discretion. Whatever he did, it was wrong. And so what happens is David now sleeps with this lady he, wants her, he got her husband killed. He had a kid with the lady, and the kid ended up dying. And about a year later, he wrote what I believe to be the best repentance in history. He writes this down about a year later after God has broken him from his sin. And this is how we get to where we are today. So what is repentance? If you're taking notes or you're taking mental notes, this is what it is. A change of heart that leads to a change in action. So repentance is a change of heart that leads to a change in action. What it's not, it's not behavior modification, it's not action change, it's not being a moral person, it's not something Christians do. It's a change of heart that leads to a change in action. Listen to Psalm 51, one to three. It says this, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to the great, your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. The first part of repentance is recognizing your sin. In the Christian culture, we have this thing called respectable sins, and you know some of them, gossip, slander, laziness, sloth, and pride. Things we, we put in, in the Christian culture we deem as okay because we don't see the need to talk about them because they happen so frequently. Matter of fact, there's, th there's things in the Christian culture that we do that we set aside and say that we're not going to touch that because that thing is just too messy. My friend Michael, in his sermon to Thrive Kitsap on Monday, said this. He said that when, when Paul was approaching prophecy, he did not run away from prophecy because it was hard. He went straight for it. So the same thing here is when it comes to sin, we shouldn't blot out sin in our lives because it's too common. We should go straight for it. In the Christian culture, we need to understand our sin, and this is what helps us understand that we are sinning before an almighty God. Listen to what David said in Psalm 51.4. He says, against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. David did not only recognize his sin, but what also did he do? He understood who he sinned to. Sin, when you sin, when you sin, it's not that you're sinning against a person, but you're actually sinning against God. Understanding who God is and, and what he's done for you and who he is in his character and in all of what, and all what he is in his personality, then you realize when you sin why it's so important to repent. For me, I understand this because I understand this because when I, when I am faced with my sin, I feel the weight of my sin crashing on before me because I understand that I'm sinning against a God who is mighty. I'm going to get back again on Michael's sermon from Monday because I've just listened to it because he sent it to me. And he said something again that's very interesting. 
He said that the book of Revelation, he's preaching on, he was preaching on an introduction to Revelation. This is what he said. The book of Revelation, it shows us something about God, that not God is only lovey-dovey, but God is also a God of wrath. God is also a God that's powerful, and God is also a God that is just. So when, when David said that you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge, David knew exactly what he was talking about. He understood that God is so righteous and good that whatever is done outside of what is right in him is wrong. We have some people, when they look at sin, they, they, they say things like this. Well, there's grace, so I mean, I have to understand this, you know, Devante, you have to get it. When I see sin in my life, I understand it as grace. So I understand grace is for me. So I might, I could just keep going on sinning, right? I mean, God paid it all for me, and he, 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 he did this thing on the cross, and he, it was so good, and he screamed it was finished. So isn't that, doesn't that mean it's done? Well, I, the thing is, God's kindness is not to be taken in a way that's, that, that's supposed to be abused. Romans 2, 4 says this, Oh, do, so you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience. For you do not realize that God's kindness is intended to lead you to what? Repentance. So God's kindness is to lead you towards repentance, not for you to keep on sinning. So what happens to us, Christians, who use the grace card and pull it out and swipe it at every opportunity we get? You realize that your balance runs out when you don't understand what God's kindness is actually for. It's to lead you towards repentance. God's grace is on your life, and he wants you to come to him to turn away from your sin. God didn't save us to keep on sinning. Matter of fact, he saved us out of a life of sin. Now, I don't know for you how gracious that sounds in your eyes. I, I hear something like that, and I know how sinful I am. I look into my heart, and I see a dark hole. And I know that the only way out of that is for God to save me. And so I want to run from that dark hole I see in my life and straight towards Christ. Let's continue on in our text. Psalm 51, 10 through 12 says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This is the key of repentance. The key of repentance is creating a clean heart, a pure heart, O God. David understood that it was a hard issue. Sin is a hard issue, not an action issue. So when you're struggling in life and there's something that you're doing wrong, it stems from a deeper thing. Many times I am in, in, in counseling sessions or discipling people or being discipled, and I realize every time we get deeper in our relationship, it, it, after, we, after we get past the surface, there's something under layer that's causing the action that's going on. Well, the only reason that I, I love my wife dearly is because Christ loved me first, and therefore that is deeper in me, which caused me to love my wife. I realized that I hate my brother who was doing something better than me because deep down inside, in my own heart, there's some stems of jealousy. 
I realized that I find myself, I found myself constantly, constantly looking for new things to do because I found deeper in myself that there's a lack of trust in Jesus Christ. Under everything, every, under everything is this, this heart issue that's stemming towards the sin. Many times, Christians, what we do is we start to work on our actions as hard as we possibly can without dealing with what's going on inside. And so what happens is it manifests itself in a different way. Hmm. Luke Green constantly struggled with pornography all of his life. I mean, he was buried in it. He struggled so hard that he didn't know what to do. He came and was consulted by some guy in his church, and the guy told him, you better stop. Don't you understand what you're doing? Don't you get it? Can't you just stop? So what do you think Luke did? He stopped. He, with all of his might, he just stopped doing it, whatever it takes. Luke turned 25 and got married to the girl of his dreams. And by the time of 27, he had three mar- in marital affairs. Because the heart issue was still stemming there. So what happened to him? Because he realized that this, this, this marriage thing didn't fulfill his life. And he had a deeper issue going on because he just stopped an action. We realized what happened was the sin was still in his heart. And so it manifested itself even in a worse way. This story touched me. Listen to this girl. She struggled so hard with anger and jealousy. And some of a group of Christian girls around her was, was just talking about how they do so well, and she doesn't. She always burst out in anger, talk about how everybody else is doing better than her, and she got fed up with it. And her attitude just kind of changed. And over a span of about seven years, she just was okay. And everybody thought that she was doing better with her anger. One day, some friends was having a talk. And it's been boiling in her for the seven years, man. She was angry. She was pissed. The anger was still there and the jealousy was still there, but she didn't say anything about it. It was just boiling up. I tell you, seven years later, some friends are talking and she wanted to be a place where the girl across the room was. And the friends is making fun of her because she didn't make it there yet. And what do you think she did? She got up and punched the girl in the face. Because nobody ever dealt with the heart issue. She was angry all seven years. Sin is a heart issue. But what did David tell us here? He came to God and said, God, what? Renew my heart, change my spirit. He said, he said, I understand what sin leads to separation from you. He says, cast me not away from your presence and please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Results of sin is separation from God. And David understands this. He said, what? Restore the joy of my salvation. David said to do what? Restore. David needed restoration because he see how broken his heart was. David didn't even have any more joy in what the best thing of his life was, his salvation, because sin ruins that. I don't know if you had a sin in your life that you've been struggling with so hard, and you've been, it's been bothering you, and you realize that it's, it's, given, it's putting this distance between you and God over and over 
and over again. Every time you try to combat it, every time you try to to fight this sin, you realize that this, 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 it just puts this barrier between you and God. Because sin wants to separate us. But I urge you tonight to come towards God in repentance. That he could restore the joy of that relationship that he started in you. Let's go on. Psalm 51, 16. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. So how then do we repent? The question I may ask. See, if you enter a traditional church, you know that they do signs of the cross and they do all the, the, the repentant rituals. I grew up in an Anglican school and we would do this thing where they would say, they, we, would quote, we would quote 1 John and say, where it says, we say we have no sin and we deceive ourselves and the truth is not enough. That if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I know it so well because we did it all the time. And we were supposed to repent for our sins and we say this prayer and then we repented. That's how it was done. Or we say a nice, good prayer. We can fashion our prayer in the best way possible. The God, I am so sorry for my sin. And I turn around, God, look at me. I'm doing the backwards walk. God, I'm running away from my sin. We did it all. We had everything down pack. But I realize this text does something amazing for us because it shows us that God really doesn't care about our fancy prayers. You could say the biggest words ever. I mean, you could say the best type of prayer. You could be on your knees. You could be on one knee with one knee up. God wants it to be as fancy as you want it to be. You could even be in robes. You could have sackcloth and ashes. You could do whatever you want. David said that God doesn't delight in that. He literally doesn't care. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. You might have been repenting last night and you did all that good stuff and you was on the side of your bed. You light a candle. I am sorry to burst that bubble for you. Because if, 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 if it wasn't done, and if it was done in his legalistic rituals, and if it's done in, in this bad way, here's what he, he said he actually wants. He says, my sacrifice to you, O God, is what? A broken spirit and a, a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. That is what you will not despise. So if your heart is not in the right place, I don't care how much candles you light. I don't care how much good prayers you have. God doesn't care. What he wants is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That's what God wants in your repentance. He wants your heart to be in the right place. He wants you to come broken to him, knowing that you're in need of a savior, hopeless, and then saying, Jesus, fix it. That's what he wants. But we don't do that. We find ourselves saying the best prayers that we possibly can. God, hear me out. I'm your child. Do you see this nice milk chocolate thing with the long hair? God, I have a beautiful wife, a good job. You gave it all to me. God, I am working on my master's degree and I, I have two cars. Oh, don't forget, God, I have a motorcycle. God, thank you for sparing my life this summer as I rode my motorcycle because you, oh God, was faithful. Now, God, I understand that I've done some things wrong here and I need you to help me out. God, I need you to forgive those little sins that I did last week and I need you to forgive the ones I did this week. Because next week you're going to do some more and I'm going to need some forgiving some more next week too. Because I'm going to do the same exact sin because my heart never changed. And I really don't care, God. So here it goes. I repent. Coming to you next week to do the same thing again. Because I really don't care about where my heart is at. But God didn't care about that prayer. 
He didn't care about how much cars you have, Devante. He doesn't care that you milk chocolate and have long hair. He doesn't care about that. What he cares is that your heart is in the right place. That's what he cares about. And so Jesus wants us to bring a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Sorry, a contrite spirit and a broken heart. Did I say the same thing just now? Ah, oh, forget it. Whatever. It's whatever. <laughs> but here's the deal. You go into God in prayer and doing all those signs on the cross. Let me blow your bubble back up. If your heart was in the right place, he does accept those things. It says this in Psalm 51, 19. Then you would delight in the sacrifices. Then you will. What? After. If you look at the verse before, after you come with a broken heart. So go to God in prayer. I don't, I'm not going against that. But I'm saying when you go to him in prayer, make sure you understand your sin, know who you're sinning to, and come for a change of heart. So what then does true repentance look like? How do, how do we then repent? Well, it's recognizing your sin. Many of us in here have sin in our lives that we don't even want to recognize. We don't want to even call it out. Some of you are looking straight in my face. And like my best friend says, his name is Jeremiah, when they look in your face like that, they're convicted. You guys are looking straight in my face. Because you probably out there, just like I do, no sins in my life that I don't want to recognize, just like you don't want to recognize them. Because you see the weight of these sins and you just say, Lord, if I could just run away from this, Lord, I don't want to even see. Yeah. Or some of you are afraid to even approach God because you realize this sin is bad. God, I don't even want to put this in your face. But the first thing to do is to recognize the sin. Then to recognize who you're sinning against. You'd miss the whole thing if you don't recognize who you're sinning against. So yeah, you could recognize I'm bad and I'm evil. Man, I'm a master person, but to who? Am I a master person to Alex sitting in the front here? No, it's bigger than that. I'm a master person to the savior of the world, the creator of the universe, the most powerful being we know. That's who I'm sinning against. And then, before any change of action, consult a change of heart. This is what I encourage you to do. After you recognize your sin and recognize who you're sinning against, before you change that action, is your heart really in hate for your sin? Do you really hate the sin that you're doing? Romans 6 talks about this. It says, says grace abound should be sin by no means it says how you who've been who died with christ and have been resurrected we could keep on going on sinning it's a new testament pattern that christ has died you have died in him and now you get up and you fight sin because you have christ on your side but you have to understand that it's a change of heart you must hate your sin really really badly hate it and then what you come to jesus it should lead you to worship jesus actually it's funny that after you get hauled to this place and you see how bad a messed up you are the ultimate whole cause of this thing is to lead you to christ 
It leads you to worship to God. How do we know this? David in Psalm 51, 13, 13 to 15 says this. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. This is what he's saying after you restore my heart. He's saying, create in me a clean heart and don't cast me away from your presence. He's saying all this. He said, then I will teach sinners your ways, God, so that they will turn back to you. Deliver me from my, the guilt of bloodshed, O oh God, for you, for who are for you are my God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. So guess what? When David was done recognizing his sin, came to God with a broken heart, he understood that it led to what? Worship to Jesus Christ. He was looking towards a future Messiah. We're looking back at a Messiah that's already died. So I encourage you in here, whatever the sin might be, whatever it is that's going on in your life tonight, that you need a heart change on. Your heart has been in the wrong place. You might have an action change, and you might be doing well, but your heart is still in the wrong place. I encourage you to come to the Lord in repentance with a change of heart. But there's an action that you keep doing and you also need to repent. You need to have a change of heart. I heard the saying once. The saying said this, there's going to be many people in heaven who swore a lot, smoked, drank, had sex, done all these things. And there's going to be some, a lot of people in hell who didn't do them at all. Who's a good, good cliche, you know? Holy thou art, did the sign of the cross, eat my communion. I wrestle with this every day. Am I just a religious person going through the motions? Am I stuck in the rut of just trying to get my actions to be great? Or do I actually know God? Am I like the people in Matthew 7? Who's going to approach the throne and I come to him and say, God, look at all my works. And then he tells me, it's good, but I never knew you. Biggest fear of my life. I don't think it's nothing that scares me more than that. So I ask the question, do you want to repent to be a heart change? That when you come to Jesus, you can say, Jesus, all that what you've done for me is why I should be a part of your kingdom. There's nothing that I've done but it's all that what you've done on the cross. And if you never did it on the cross, I could never do it. But it's because of you, Jesus. Because of your sacrifice. The Father looks at that, and then he sees me. So as I invite the band up, if you could come up. Maybe tonight that there's something that in your heart that you need to confess, that you need to take to the Lord and say, Lord, I need a heart change on this. I've been, this has been stirring in my life for a while. And I know maybe the actions is not there, but the heart is still in the wrong place. Tonight, I urge you to make that time known. Maybe you're in here and you don't even know the Lord. You're trying to seek this Christian thing out. You're trying to do it as best as you can. You don't even know what it really means. See, repentance can go two ways. The first way it can go is 
a change of this, these actions. But also, repentance is the other thing. is a change of life. That your life is turned around. So if you don't know the Lord, this is your time to make your call in an election sure. This is your time to say, God, I want to turn to you. And I don't even know what all that means, God. I just know that I need to. I feel you might be calling me into that relationship with you. And I want to say yes. God, I want to make an intentional choice to be with you forever. Because you did it first for me. Or maybe you are the believer who struggles so hard with understanding what it means to repent. And over and over and over again, you find yourself doing the same action. I urge you to maybe look into your heart. Am I really in hatred of the sin? And for you who are in hate of the sin, but you find yourself just doing it again and again, know that there's grace for you. Know that the Lord understands and he's the one that actually impels you to hate your sin. He's the one that's working in you to will for good pleasure. It's him. He's the one that brings you to understand that you can hate your sin. So know that there's grace for you when you come to the cross that Jesus died for you. For all of us. So like I said, this is your time. Come to him in repentance. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you've made a way for us to repent. You've made a way for us through your son, Jesus Christ. As we come in repentance, God, create in us a clean heart and restore the joy of our salvation. In my prayer, amen.